0: Hello and welcome to this roundtable about the book Gardens of Intelligence. I am Rom Gaiuso, your host. And in this roundtable, I'm joined by my co-host, Kari Sergier. Today we speak with Gabriel Bjork, book author. So folks, marketing competitive intelligence is the process of increasing market competitiveness to a greater understanding of a firm's competitive environment, as well as leveraging the capabilities of preparedness for the future. The author of the book asks, what if you could spend more time creating forward looking actionable intelligence thanks to smarter tools what if you could collaborate better and develop hypotheses that can be tested and validated by data analysis what if you could become more in line with future market expectations as predictions are more accurate what if you could use human analysis to put information into context Ask relevant questions and create the best algorithms for machines. Well, the authors draw on their extensive experience in real life cases to present their Gardens of Intelligence framework. And this is exactly what we're here to discuss today. Welcome, Gabriel. Welcome, Kari.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you.
0: So, uh, Gabriel Under is the author of Gardens of Intelligence, Designing Robust Digital Market and Competitive Intelligence. Platforms. He's an expert in information economics and it is a pleasure to welcome him today. So let's get started. So why did you write this book and what is the key message?
1: Well, I mean, to, to start with, it's uh, I'm the co-author together with Jesper Martel, my, my long-term colleague and friend. Um, and I think it all started uh, around the time of the pandemic, when we started looking back and thought that all of this material that we've gathered over all those years, maybe we should put it together in some sort of some sort of book uh, that would then re- become the book that we wished we had when we started our journey. Uh, so essentially, you know, bringing it all together, seeing where, what 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 can we tell uh, people who are now in the profession and they're on their way into the profession. <clears throat> in order to make life a little bit easier for them. So we, we, we put that together and uh, we tried to focus very much on, on when you build CI, what kind of resources and capabilities do you need and, and how then are you going to sort of develop them over time? So we started focusing on on the three key pillars, uh, namely the information, uh, the technology and people. Uh, how do you evolve them in parallel over time to make sure that you really get those um uh, capabilities in place and and when you read the book you will see we we, we sort of mixed theory with practicalities you have checklists on how to uh, how to uh, choose software you have certain checklists on what are the pitfalls you should avoid and there's a number of sort of hands on advice that we try to get into what it's supposed to be really a, a workable handbook to uh, to deal with CIA in organizations.
2: Um, wrong. Um, thank you for inviting me here to be the co-host with you. And, Gabriel, it has been very interesting to uh, read your and Jesper's book. I have an example here, Gardens of Intelligence. And, and it looks like uh, many of these concepts that you have here, they can be quite, um, quite overwhelming, uh, maybe for a smaller company that uh, has less resources than the big companies which have more established processes and budgets to take care of those processes. So the book seems to target mid size or larger companies. Uh, how do you feel that? How can smaller, less resourceful companies uh, benefit uh, from this kind of understanding? And how can they use this framework uh, that is introduced in this uh, book, Gardens of Intelligence?
1: No, Car- <clears throat> you're you're absolutely right. I mean the the. The sort of companies we've had in mind when when writing the book has obviously been the type of companies we've been working with, which is typically larger, uh, if not multinational, but at least organisations with different uh, segments in the organisation, different business areas, where we can, uh, by applying these models that we have, uh, enable more cross-working, more uh, information exchange, experience sharing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But bringing that kind of thinking to smaller companies uh is quite straight on i would say when you read it as a small company it's probably not because you're going to implement everything that we have sort of discussed in the book for obvious reasons because there are quite significant software platforms that you may not start investing in if you're just two or three or five or ten people uh but it can definitely read and and very much used as an inspiration because even if you're a small company particularly if you're uh, heading for growth you need to start thinking about it in the same way even a small company needs structure uh, you need to start institutionalized knowledge that's probably one of the sort of the key challenges you see in smaller companies when they want to grow that they haven't sort of thought about how can I make sure that we institutionalize what we already know everyone tries to run for the same sort of tasks uh, you don't sort of departmentalize your work and and these are things that I think the book can help in sort of mentally structuring how how can we do that how can we prepare for becoming bigger not to wait until you suddenly find that you are 30 40 people and then oops maybe we should have thought about how to how to organize this from from scratch so I still think it's it's definitely a valid book for smaller companies from that sort of inspirational perspective
0: actually that's a great observation so uh, we are mostly startups in the audience but many of them are going to become unicorns and they're going to go and move on so they're going to become fairly large companies so i'm glad you're addressing the fact that there's Mm -hmm. lots of usefulness of your book also for startups smaller companies medium as well as large companies so it's uh, very comprehensive book.
1: one thing i can add to that rom is also uh whole portion of the book looks very much into the different roles you need in these types of organizations. Who who plays what role in that kind of growth, in that kind of uh, capability development? And that is definitely something that is worthwhile for a smaller company as well to start thinking of.
0: Wonderful. So let's uh, change a little bit of subject. So you're using uh, lots of analysis with gardening, not just in the title. Why is that? True.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it all came naturally when we started thinking about how to develop an organization that should be working with, with CI and, and, and I would say other areas as well, to be honest. Uh, you start with some sort of seed. You, you, you want it to grow. You, you, you want this capability to become larger and larger and better and better. And uh, the way we then portrayed it is that we, we compare it to garden. We compare it to p- planting seeds and then nurturing. And you have the burgeoning gardens and everything. And the important, really important sort of message in the book is that when you develop these capabilities, you, you have the resources, you know, the information, the people, and the technology we talked about, uh, that they have to be developed in balance. So we have six phases where we go from one level to next level pause at that level make sure that you can deliver on that level and then take the next phase to third and fourth and fifth level and so forth uh, because what we've seen going back in all the projects we've been working at is that if you try to take too big a leap at one time the risk is that you will exhaust your organization you will exhaust your resources and you will not reach that sort of planned for level meaning you may end up in a situation where you can't actually deliver on anything of your promises, uh, which, of course, is a risk because your organization will evaluate what you've done based on the output, not, not that you're developing things. Uh, so that's why we have those levels, and they're very sort of well thought through from what we've seen is where is it convenient to park, if you like, to, to, to rest in your in your development efforts while still delivering on the operation that you're trying to do, so that's why we have this garden uh, because it's, it 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 goes hand in hand with with planting and letting it grow and nurturing and and, and uh, you know keep keeping track of all your trees and, and bushes and everything and flowers and make sure that they they um, they live well out there in your garden. It's uh, it's very much a working analogy.
0: Yeah, I really like your analogy because I think it's important, specifically for most of our audience, again, startups, smaller companies, people just getting started. And you pointed out it's a plan. Yeah, we all want to you know, go leaps and bounds, but that is not a, a very smart, smart decision versus your approach. You go step by step, and then you consider when you're ready to take the next step. And I think that's not just more responsible, it's better planning. So when you're thinking about the strategic planning process, right? That's one step at a time.
1: And also, also, if, also Ron, uh, one, one, Ron, one thing you can add to that is that It's also quite a process in time, this is not a thing you do over half a year, one of these one of these steps might might take half a year or maybe even up to a year while others can take just maybe a quarter. Uh, But during that time, things might have changed, you know, the company might have ended up in a more budget restrained position or something so you might have to rest. Which also then enables you to say, okay, we thought we might, maybe, we thought we would be able to take three steps over those two years. Uh, It turns out we can only take two steps. Good, but we've planned for that step two is actually a step where we can rest, not just for six months, but maybe for two years if we have to, and still deliver on our promises.
2: What I was planning to say that it helps also to budget the stepwise, that you know that uh, how the team is going to grow, and you don't have to need to swallow the elephant at once. You can take it in bits and pieces. And that comes quite much to operational efficiency. So what do you think? uh, You have a long track record, Gabriel, in the competitive intelligence domain. But how about the other area of the companies? um, If you have the investment or scale-up situation, what kind of other learnings can be drawn from the book uh, than just competitive intelligence?
1: Well, I mean, we've looked at... That's a very good question, Kari. We've looked at the capabilities and resources build up of intelligence, but scaling a company, you of course have other areas as well where you need to do exactly the same sort of journey. Uh, it could be your capabilities. And I mean, what is extremely um, sort of much talked about now, sustainability capabilities. Uh, how are we on sustainability reporting? How are we on sustainability management, etc.? And these are also areas where you need to consider who am I going to put on those tasks as the people? Do I have the competence internally? Are we sitting on the right information base? Uh, do we understand this? Do we have someone internally that actually understands the, the uh, legislative frameworks that that we need to adhere to? Uh, do we have the reporting technology in place? So that, that's, there's a lot of different areas where you need to think in the same way. You, you can have... Um, uh, agreement management, you know, or uh, contract management with your customers that goes along the same line. So one thing that, that you typically see when you go into smaller companies about to scale is that they haven't really thought about, which this is a word I know lots of people think, oh God, this is, this is heavy, but processes, right? You know, mm-hmm. who is doing what uh, and classifying simple things such as customer agreements, so it's easy, more easily to find. It's more easy to know which agreement uh, contains what kind of deliveries and so forth. And and you quickly run into situations where those sort of administrative hurdles are getting bit bigger and bigger. And the more you sort of apply structure and thinking to those different areas at an early stage, the more you save ten times what you put in later on in the growth journey. Uh, so if you read the book with the sort of the with the perspective that yes this is about ci but could i could i apply the same thinking in other managerial areas if you like the answer is definitely yes
2: so bringing efficiency into the game yep efficiency and structure
1: yes
0: yeah, and one other thing that uh, you do quite a lot i mean you just discuss a little bit about the processes, but you do use quite a lot of models right? based, on the, based on the models of your book. Do you have any specific advice for, again, let's go back to the startups, the smaller companies aiming for rapid growth? Obviously, they want to achieve the rapid growth phase, right? Actually, why don't we start uh, this talk or this part of the talk talking a little bit about the intelligence platform for a moment. So you do have a, a beautiful graph and I really love that one the intelligence platform. Why don't you explain the intelligence platform and how could we use it?
1: Well, I mean, intelligence platforms are always there for uh, both keeping track of what has been going on, but also uh, what is going to happen tomorrow. And there's so many different aspects of of intelligence. And as you can see on this one, very often we, we hear, oh, uh, we're going to get an intelligence platform, and what people are talking about is essentially media monitoring. Uh, namely, we're keeping track of what's going on out there. Uh, it's, I would say, very tactical. Uh, you you get a piece of information; uh, it's already it's already past information, and and you try to act on that one. It's not at all uh, a non important aspect of intelligence. Definitely, we need that, but that is not the entire picture for obvious reasons. Uh, The other one which is also like historically it's the intelligence management part where we try to we put our uh how can you say the spotlight in areas where where we may may not have had it before but it's still trying to find out what has been going on and learning from 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 today's business uh that is obviously a little bit more strategical uh when it comes to strategical intelligence what what i typically compare with is that Every company finds itself in in a business environment, uh, and I I, um, I use the comparison that strategy is the way of making sure that your company is really positioned uh, for that uh, business environment. The problem is that the business environment is always on the move. Uh, so in some cultures, we have this uh, children's tale about the, the gold pot at the end of the rainbow. Um, and uh, my, my sort of analogy is that the business environment, that's really uh, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, meaning that as soon as you start chasing it, it's moving. So your strategy needs to be on the move as well. And those who win will be those where the gap is the smallest between uh, your strategy and, and, and that gold pot. And that's really what we're trying to sort of start building a capability for when we work with intelligence management, just to get that picture in place. But what you really need to do is to move your focus to the right hand of this uh, graph, where we talk about the discover and looking into the trend radars. Do I understand? Even you know before the strat the, the sorry the the business environment has started to move. Do I understand where it's about to move? Can I can I sort of shortcut that and by understanding the trains be there quicker than than, than I would otherwise have done, uh, and and of course all this also brings into. The, the insights generation, as we're talking about. What, what am I going to do tomorrow on a tactical level? Have I learned something that I can sort of start baking into our proposals, uh, our immediate communication to, to customers and, and the market in general? And the, the, these are four different areas that needs their different models. Uh, and these models, of course, need to be based on the identical background in terms of data and knowledge and, and internal competences but there are different sort of uh, facets of how we apply it in our internal strategy development.
0: Yeah, I really like this because it's it's very comprehensive. So um, Kari and I were talking quite a lot at the beginning of the year and specifically about the disruption. So when you see like war in continental Europe, right? The aggression against Ukraine. So it, it caused such turmoil, not just I'm talk, talking the political aspect, but you know, logistics, commerce, you know reactions embargoes but you know it gives a great level of comfort when i look at for example your intelligence platform right so you just go back through the circle let's go back to monitoring let's go back to projecting let's go back to the processes are the processes is stable so i think your your model is very comprehensive and it provides great calm and comfort for someone in planning because, of course, you no know, disruptions do exist. And, and Carrie and I talk quite a lot about the disruptions and what it means, what it means in Europe. And, and maybe people don't think about it, but small sure. things like, you know, if you clog the port of Rotterdam or if you clog the port of Hamburg with ships going down, and Carrie knows more about this than I do. So then, you know, shipments are delayed. Your supply chain is delayed, yeah. and there's like consequences after consequences. But your model is stable and forces us to go through each and every one of the steps and rethink. Uh, you know, our strategies. Our strategy is sound? Is it not sound? What can we do, Carrie? Anything else you would you like to add? We we had lots of talk.
2: Yeah. yeah I, you know, I, I, I I this is the this is the challenge that there's so lots of things to raise up from this. So uh, Gabriel. You, we just saw the, the image there of the four different domains yep. and, and many of the people listening was thinking, oh, I need to cover this, this and that box. Uh, let's start with media monitoring. That's easy. All right. And let's intelligence management. Uh, well, let's look into internal docs and uh, oh, trend. We can see some trend curve emerging here. But how do I generate these insights after all? So about this book, Hardness of Intelligence, if there would be only one Concept to take out, of one clear task out of many different tasks that it represents. What would you recommend for these uh, smaller companies that want to scale up?
1: Foresight, foresight, and preparedness. That that that's that's what we're trying to achieve in doing all this. Um, the preparedness comes from exactly what you were talking about, Ron. Uh, when you phrased it like you did, I was thinking myself that maybe what we've been trying to do is to extend the comfort zone for people working in this so they can feel comfortable in sort of a wider array of tasks when it comes to understanding uh, the future of the company, including trends, as we were talking about now, risks, what happens if... Uh, but I, if there's one word I would say, uh, it's foresight and <clears throat> directly connected to that preparedness. Uh, we have a phrase in the book where, where we say, uh, don't, you know, uh, when, when future knocks on the door, it will not walk away. Uh, and it's a question of not being surprised when the future knocks on your door. So if there's one key, key thing, yes, that's the one.
0: And that's why I like uh, your model. Because when I talk about the future, I explain to people there's not just one future, there's a plentitude of futures, right? We don't know which one is right, which one will actually materialize. So when you say preparedness, yes, we have to continuously invest time and effort into monitoring, Mm. into doing analysis, into gathering data, Mm. into intelligence, and coming to places like this, like conferences... And reading great books, you know, so people like you you know, talking to, you know, smart people like Kari, who is also always pushing the envelope and, and trying to force us to think through, you know, alternative ways and, and reconsider our alternatives and having robust processes that can withstand, you know, the, the proverbial hurricanes that we see in business. But that's yep. what I like about, about your approach is, you know, focus on processes, focus on data collection analysis and generation of, um, of foresights. And that's how I feel, you know, uh, you add a whole lot of value. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask a very tough question. <coughs> Oops. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, to choose a favorite child. And I know those types of questions are usually not fair, you know. But if there's only one practical key takeaway that is more important than anything else, again, I'm asking you to choose a favorite child. So uh, oh. what would that be if, uh, if I run into you and, and I ask you for advice? What
1: is I th- that advice? I, th- I think you will be disappointed on my answer. And the risk is you say, oh, oh now you're trying to cheat. But actually, I, I, I do have one answer to that one. Uh, and, and I'm absolutely positive that that is the right answer. Start doing something. Just, just just start doing something uh, because there are so many sort of initiatives that we've seen where where you, you stop at the planning stage for some reason it just grows too big everyone wants to do uh, you know a big bang project um, but no just, just start doing something the only sort of caveat that I would sort of add to that is when you are about to start doing something, uh, go back to your ITP structure, the one we talked about in the beginning, uh, and try to assess where do I have my strongest assets? Do, do do I am I already sitting on tons of information for some reason? Do we have uh, tremendously expensive um, subscriptions to to um, to the big news houses, the the the, the professional content? already what do we do with that if if i have that i don't need to take on more subscriptions uh do we have people enough to understand what we're going to do yeah we're a team here we're pretty good at what we're doing okay so maybe what you're lacking is a piece of software that can help you the other way around could be that you have tremendous people and software but for some odd reason we haven't had the budget to buy information well that's interesting We're, we're a good team of really knowledgeable people that know how to deal with a piece of software, but but the software is empty because we haven't got money enough for the information. So the the, the sort of the story here is that try to figure out which of those three areas of resources that we're looking at uh, is least developed and start doing something there. You don't need to do everything at the same time, but start where you're weakest. Otherwise, it's the risk is we're we're good at something. We have a team. uh, Let's develop our team efforts. But if you don't have any information or software to support that team effort with, it won't, you know, the the, the, the dividend from doing that will not be very fantastic.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I really love when I speak with Kari and he sits with me and asks, what are we trying to accomplish? And let's go step by step and try to get there. So Kari, I'm gonna ask you, turn the tables. So what is your advice for the people who are just starting out? You know, they are forming their companies. They have a vision. They have a plan or they should and that's why we're here and there's gardens of intelligence to help you think about framework processes and putting that into one package so what is your advice for the folks in the audience who are just starting out and what is your advice again pick your favorite child in there
2: outsource outsource and outsource uh this sounds crazy and the companies have type of money when they are small But you must think about the efficiencies that Gabriel has been speaking about uh, in the book. If you need to have a sustainability expert, uh, reach out to me or someone else in your region who knows about that topic. If you reach out about competitive intelligence frameworks, reach out to Gabriel or someone else who knows about that topic. Uh, Because in the end of the day, if you try to do everything yourself like a typical entrepreneur, you will not be the jack of all trades. There's always someone who is more in depth into the area who can do it for you and deliver you quality and get you different perspectives that you might have not thought about yourself. So yes, it costs you money to pay someone else to do part of the work that is needed. But if you try to do it all in house when you are small, there is a risk that it's not going to fly fast enough and it's not going to be good enough quality. So. Extend your network, extend your resources and use consultants, books, courses and so on to get those insights so you can be bigger than you actually are. I want to give you one example because that sounded very commercial now. There is a very famous uh, American young man called Nathan Latka in the SaaS software space. He became a multimillionaire before the age of 30 already. And he has basically been uh, interviewing uh, the exits of the SaaS companies in the venture capital space. And the secret sauce is that his company maybe has only one or two persons, because he has outsourced everything from copywriting to graphical design, to email marketing, to uh, everything he has outsourced. So, Rom, you are the jack of, of this specialist as well, right? So, in your futures television, you have invited experts around the world to speak. So, you don't need to master everything. You offer the world's largest virtual library of competitive intelligence experts through your uh, IMCI magazine. So, that's the one key takeaway I would like to give everybody to the audience. If you need competitive intelligence experts, read this book and reach out to Gabriel.
1: Exactly.
2: can I add please, please. to that,
1: Kara, because I, I agree entirely with you. And that is not just for smaller companies. This is one of my favorite areas When we to lo- speak to larger companies as well, because there are so many good information professionals, companies, analysis companies, news companies, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, companies gathering information for you, etc. Still, larger organizations tend to try to do that themselves because they're afraid of, of the cost that will include of, of engaging that kind of sort of external analysts and information providers. Whereas the, the, the truth is it's it's the other, uh, other way around because the, obviously, even if you're a large company, you will not be able to match up uh, a whole team of specialized uh, analysis companies and content providers. So that that will follow us all the way up to large corporates that there are segments uh, of all these operations that should be outsourced or or or. That you should buy the resources, and what you should be doing internally is really just to make sure whatever that learning that is brought into the company is matched to your strategic sort of direction. We talked about, you know, adapting the strategy to business environment. That has to be done internally, absolutely. But lots of the other work can be outsourced as well. And so,
0: what I would, like, I would like to add here is, so we are in a conference, of course. And folks, please take the time to network, you know, meet Carrie, meet Gabriel here. Uh, but look, why are these people here? Not because they are incredibly smart, but because they are passionate and dedicated and they share. You know, you know, talk to Gabriel, talk to Carrie, ask questions, network, get to know them. They're here with their open hearts and their open doors to help you, your startup like you know, I was too, right? You start up, you're starting out. Don't become a one-person band. It's a disaster. It's something to be laughed at. Become a symphony orchestra. You don't have to have all the musicians. You can hire part-time musicians. They come in and the sound's gonna look and sound prima, perfecto. So folks, you know, Kari, thank you so much for your time here today. Gabriel, wonderful congratulations on your uh, wonderful book. It was always a pleasure to speak with you.
1: Thank you. You too,
2: thank so you. folks. Thank you, folks. Thank, thank you.
0: And folks, thank you so much for being here with us in this roundtable. And please uh, continue in the conference. And please do say hi to Kari and Gabriel. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you.